0: Well, welcome everyone to another edition of Screenwriting for Animation. Uh, this year we have writer-director Theodore Yuschev with us, who will be talking about concepts and story and film. Um, this uh, masterclass uh, has been uh, an organization of Folioscope, the WAF, ASA, which is represented here by uh, Christophe Boujon, uh, the <coughs> French-speaking Writers Guild, and the Scenaristis Guild, represented by myself. My name is Eddie Martens. The screenwriter guilds, they uh, defend the rights of all screenwriters whether they work for film or television and whether they write for animation, documentaries or live action. We strive for correct payment and distribution of copyrights. We also uh, organize pitches and speed dates and master classes like this one. And today we have uh, a very special guest and uh, can you tell us a little bit more Christoph, about our guest?
1: Yeah, well, maybe we'll welcome you on the stage, Theodore Rushev. So Theodore, I think that mm, most of the people here already know your work. Uh, just for a reminder, you were born in Bulgaria. You, went, you moved to uh, Canada in 1999, if I'm correct, and you live in Montreal since then. And uh, your work is more than 10 short films in animation, uh, a lot of prices. And we're really happy to have you today and to uh, discover with you the English ver- version of Physics of, the S- of Sorrow. Uh, is that the correct English name? Yep. Yeah. So uh, we'll discover your work with you and a lot of things about writing. And maybe you'll tell us a word about how you construct your film, how you cope with structure, and uh, how you cope also with the adaptation. Not sure is the correct word also because uh, many leads uh, inspiration I think about your colleague uh, and friend uh, Gospodinov for this, uh, this movie especially and how you handle the, uh, the writings and your own adaptation of uh, taking of it. So I'll let you the word and I'm really happy to have you tonight again. Thank you. Thank you very much.
2: Uh, first of all, I would like to thank the organizers of Anima, this wonderful festival. It's my second time here in Brussels. It's great to, to see uh, such an enthusiastic public and uh, full screens. Uh, merci, Dominique, the, the main invite, Thank you very much. Uh, thank you for the Screenwriters Guild uh, for uh, organizing this event. I'll try its uh, three hours uh, masterclass. It's a lot for three hours. You can watch a whole Star Wars film. I'm not sure that I'll be able, like Chewbacca, to entertain you for three hours, but I'm going to try. And at least uh, to show you some tricks and to show you some little films that I don't show very often and mostly to show you... uh, what I believe it's the right way to do a film and how to construct it, how to write it, uh, how to present it. I'm gonna talk a little bit about why I'm here, what do I do and uh, there is one thing that we're not gonna discuss. It is uh, how to become rich with animation. Uh, because uh, ah yeah, uh, do you know the 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 anecdote about the uh, animator millionaire? Have you have you heard this anecdote? No, no it doesn't exist. And uh, I have yeah, I know another one, but it's too dirty. I'm not going to tell. There are some kids in the in the hall. So um, the ideology of making films. Uh, Yes, as you said, I've been born in Bulgaria. I studied there. I didn't study cinema. I didn't study animation. But I did a short animated film when I was in my second uh, school, second grade school in Plovdiv, which is a fine art school for television and uh, makeup and set design. And I I did a a student film which uh, won the grand prize in Belgium in Mons, at the time there was uh, a festival for student films and uh, eventually I won uh, uh, the grand prize there, so my first animated film first ever prize for animation was here in Belgium in Mons, that's how I started (laughs) and after that everything is like uh, the life is a dream and everything is a game something that I believe deeply, that everything that we do, we have to have pleasure doing it, to have fun. Otherwise, it's just a torture. It just makes you suffer, especially if you don't uh, earn money. Of course, uh, I'm not going to try to preach the uh, hungry artist, the starving artist, because I don't believe that the, the, the artist has to starve to, to, to be starving or to be hungry, but uh, at least you have to believe and to have fun because otherwise it doesn't—it uh, doesn't make sense. Uh, so, the the second thing is, uh, you know, everyone is an artist. Uh, this is a poster uh, image for a poster that I did uh, a few years ago for uh, the biggest uh, short film festival in Clermont-Ferrand. It, uh, it is a portrait of, uh, any idea who is this guy? Yeah, good one. That's Josef Boyce. He said, everyone is an artist. He believed that every one of us can do at least one piece of art that can stay in this garden of the social sculpture. And uh, that is going to be important for the society. Actually, he stole this phrase from uh, from the romantic years, from uh, novel who was like a philosopher and writer. But uh, he truly believed in what he was doing, uh, trying to push the limit of how the art that is not coming from the middle class can challenge that middle class so they can embrace all those avant-garde ideas, so they become their own which is the true avant-garde that's that's what they believe which means that we don't have to follow the the taste of the middle class we don't have to follow what the people are thinking about the films we have to educate them to push them further to challenge them to make them uh, believe in something that is not their own which is the the, the true challenge of making films and how do we do this? Uh, I always had this uh, fear. It's like a nightmare for me. I very often wake up in the night and I imagine like a, a full hall, a screening hall. My film plays and half of the public is fall asleep. This is like my worst dream. I don't want the people to fall asleep on my films. Uh, I know that uh, many people are going to say, yeah, but there are some films that you have to swallow, that have to be slow-paced and things like this. Yes, indeed, it can work. But if the people f- start falling asleep, thats I don't think that's good for the cinema. I don't think that it's good for the art itself. Because we live in such a hectic uh, world that... Uh, any time that you lose you, that you don't keep your attention, it's like lost for, for the public. It's lost for the, the people don't have a time now. And that's why actually I do short films, because I believe that now the short film is the, is the ultimate film form. Uh, it is the, the, the film of the future and of the past. You know, the, the cinema started as a short films. Actually, one of the most important films in the history of cinema were short. You know which one I'm talking about. Uh, So, everyone is an artist, even him. That's me. Uh, Of course, I didn't know that eventually, eventually I'm going to become an artist. I didn't become. But Everyone is an artist. Uh, And there is another clever word about uh, a fellow Canadian, Marshall McLuhan. Probably you've uh, read. If you didn't, you have to read that book. It's amazing. It's uh, called uh, Galaxy Gutenberg. Actually, Marshall McLuhan predicted the existence of uh, web, of internet, of the social network. And he said that the medium is the message. Uh, what does it mean? The medium is the message. It means that Uh, When there is, uh, for example, you stay at your home, you have a dinner, nice dinner with nice wine, you cooked a nice uh, dish, very tasty, and suddenly you watch uh, on the news, in the evening news, uh, uh, that coronavirus is coming to you, and uh, you said, okay, I'm going to die, and the way how you stay in your kitchen, and the way how you watch your TV, and accepting this message, is totally connected with the medium. And the medium is the TV, your dish, your wine, and your table, and your kitchen. All together makes this message to sound differently. Because if you go, for example, walk on the street, and there is sun, and you just hear that someone says, uh, there is a coronavirus around everyone you 're not going to believe him because the, the, the life will be the, the medium is going to be different. So the message depends of the medium. why i 'm telling you this because I believe that when you do a film, it depends exactly of how this film is going to be shown, where it's going to be shown, how we have to prepare it, what is the audience We have to think about. Everything. So, the message, because a film is always a message. A film is always, you want to say something to, 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 to the public. You don't want just to, to say blah, 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 blah. You know, it has to have some meaning or some images, that, uh, some emotions in the public. Otherwise, it doesn't make sense. So, you have always to think when you write, when you have an idea how you're going to make those people catch your message, and it's all connected to this screen. It can be, if you make, for example, a movie for a cell phone, it should be different than if you make a film that is going to be screened on a big screen. If you make a VR film and you start scripting it, you have to think that it's going to be a VR and not to be shown in a huge screening uh, room or something like this, or worse, in the TV. If you make uh, like a TV series, which is something that happens, you have to think that it's gonna be, your film is gonna be interrupted by every 15 minutes, by advertising, which means that on the 15 minutes of the thing, something has to happen so the spectators stay awake and they return after the advertising to continue watch your series. Which is completely different of what is now Netflix because there you don't have a advertising or things like this. So the way you think is completely different. You can allow yourself that you take the slow pace, you take the slow roll, and uh, just develop your idea uh, more profoundly building characters, building uh, suspense. And uh, I've been uh, giving like uh, workshops everywhere. At some point, I was so pissed off of just preaching the, about films, 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 and I decided to make a theater. I'm not going to do it this. But uh, why I, I've left this uh, phrase? Because uh, sometimes it's... Uh, it's more entertaining you know the 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 filmmakers are kind of like the the the, the clowns like the 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 stand-up comedians they always try to to entertain the public with their own personal tragedies because the the people the spectators they just uh, love like uh, seeing you suffering or seeing you uh, they're laughing at, at you when you see you falling. It's been always like the the, the the main idea of the comedy in the world was always like the comedian falls down or something bad is happening to the comedian. And the, the audience loves seeing the people suffering on the stage, which, uh, which go back to Keaton, to Chaplin. They've been always like showing the... the before the happy end, there is always like this uh, tragedy, this drama that is happening in, in the films. Uh, we are going to talk about uh, writing for animation, and especially writing for short animation. If you want, we can talk about uh, writing for a live-action feature length because now I am preparing my first live-action film. So. I'll be happy to answer you any questions because it's a uh, complete... No, it's not completely, it's a slightly different world there, but it's different. It's very different when you came from artistic background and uh, to start making uh, writing for animation. It's, it's been a long, uh, long way. Uh, first, of course, I was doing those are my um, school uh, graphics that I did when I was, uh, I think, uh, 11 years. Yeah, I've I've been 11 years then. And uh, another one, I studied in uh, art school. Those are, like, uh, we were calling them uh, works aside. And uh, when I say works aside, uh, those are from, uh, because I've been raised in a communist country, and there, when you go to school, you had to paint only this. Uh, endless portraits of uh, realistic social realism, one after the other, hundreds of those. and But everything ended one lucky day in '89. so I was uh, accepted to study at the Academy of Fine Art. Uh, first two years, uh, I was so enthusiastic that I spent all my days instead of going to the to the studio. Uh, doing the realistic portraits I spend it on the street, uh, doing strikes against the government. There is another one that I remember very uh, clearly. When I was young, uh, in the Friday evening, we had the Russian television, and uh, every Friday they were showing one film there, uh, which was called uh, Hedgehog in the the Mist, by great Yuri Norstein. Uh, It was very boring for me as a kid, because I was watching, it's very slow-paced, it's very poetic, so I was immediately falling asleep. I much more preferred Tommy and Jerry, because there is action there every time there is something happening. Of course, later I understood the beauty of that film. And it film, this film influenced me enormously in my aesthetic vision. But it was much later. So sometimes when I... when uh, Why I'm telling you this? Because sometimes when we are young and we see something, we say, what's that crap? And a few years later, it just occurs to us that actually this was a very important piece of art that influenced us enormously. And we didn't appreciate it at the time. Uh, it's just like working and changing the, uh, changing, changing the age uh, makes this perception different. Medium this is the message. Actually, I was studying graphic design in uh, Academy of Fine Art, which is completely different thing from filmmaking. Uh, this is a poster for a Festival d'un jour en France. There is the same poster, but on different shelter. It's another medium. And the first years there, I was making uh, posters for the theater. And at some point, I was like, uh, I became like uh, the graphic designer on two or three of the biggest theaters in Bulgaria. Which is a great film school for me. I'm going to tell you why. First of all, you have to read the play from beginning till the end. After that, you have to go and watch how the director is making the, 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 the set, how he works with the actors. And it's been one after the other. But the, the breakdown, the moment that I decided that I told myself, I have to do something more than just making posters for the theater was when uh, in one of the, the theatres came the famous uh, Czech film director Irži Menzel. Any of you, this rings the bell, this name? Any, any of you know who is he? Irgi Menzel was uh, one of the Czech New Wave from the 60s, uh, together with Milos Forman, Vera Hitilova. He did a film called uh, Closely Watched Trains, the film uh, won an Oscar for a foreign film in uh, '69, I think. Amazing film. You can find it on YouTube. Watch it. It's an absolute example of great script uh, script writing. It's based on a book as well, but it's a lovely adaptation. And the the way and it was his second film, I think, out of school. And the way how he uh, deals with the drama, it's uh, it's a it's a tragic story, at the end, no, I'm not gonna tell, tell you what what's happening at the end. It's a tragic story, but everything is so funny that it doesn't leave you heavy and you just want to watch it again and again and again. And the Menzel, it was a bad time for, for him because even the best directors, even if you won an Oscar, at some point of your life, you just uh, lose your, the track and you don't have a job. And he came to, to be a director of the te- theater play in Sofia, in Theater of S- uh, Satire and humor. And uh, I was watching him, how he worked, because I had to do a poster for his plays, and it completely changed my, my vision, my perception. What he was doing was, he was coming with the script, like, find uh, a comedian, uh, show him the script, the comedians learn. The, the script, and they appear on the stage. And then everything changes. They become like uh, live humans. They was giving the freedom to the comedians to do whatever they want apart from that script. And now when I do animated films, it doesn't matter if I have the film for example, which was written very precisely, like scene after scene, frame after frame, when you start animating, I always remember the way he was working with the, with the comedians. You let them go themselves. So I let the animation drive me, up, departing from the script, departing from the idea. But I always like let it go further, a little bit wilder than I imagined. Because actually this is, this is the real life. I don't know if you, if you have experience with shooting a film. It doesn't matter if you did, like, the most precise storyboard. When you go on the set, everything changes. And the most amazing shots are uh, happening when there is completely by chance something is happening and you have to catch it with the camera. And it's much better than the written script because the script is it's, it's in your head. But what's going on in the real life, on the stage, is completely different. It just, like, changes Vice versa, the, the perception. So, yeah, I was doing uh, posters after posters. There's uh, on the left, there is another poster for Irgi Menzel, and uh, another one. And I did that poster, which is called The Faust Coin, which is on the right. Uh, it's a Maxim Gorky play, and I decided, okay. It's the most minimalistic poster that I've ever did, and I cannot do better than that one, and I decided that I have to change everything and move to Canada. And of course, at the beginning, I was doing posters there as well, working as a graphic designer and uh, in multimedia. And there was my chance, because uh, when you uh, become a creative director in an advertising agency, Uh, You have to pitch your ideas. You have to seduce your clients uh, to make them believe in what you do. And, uh, oh, there's another one. I have to tell you something. This was a poster for Otto International Animation Festival. And it was very important in my career because uh, some people from uh, industry, from animation industry, saw the film. And uh, there was a huge discussion on the internet, what is this, is it a cat vomiting, or, um, and they were asking me, is it a cat vomiting, and so I said, I don't know actually, and, uh, but there was a huge discussion, that, and actually that posters made me famous, so you never know, just a stupid poster that is even not so good, Can can do a huge, uh, huge, uh, be in service of your career. You never know. And of course, I was doing some illustrations. Those are illustrations for the same writer, Kozlov, who inspired uh, much later. I understood The Hedgehog in the Mist by Yuri Nordstein was based on a book. And Those are drawings for the book of this writer. It's called Kozlov and it's like very trashy. Actually, the the Hedgecock, they're like punks. They're drinking vodka, uh, complaining about the life. They're homeless hobos. Uh, uh, It's it's like a very dark book. But uh, what Juri Norshteyn did from the book was very light, poetic, kids' film. So, which was just like like a discovery for me. So it means it doesn't matter what book, for example, or a story, because it happens very often. And I absolutely admire this when, the, especially the animators, because we're we don't have all the abilities to to do everything. Uh, it's very rare when an animator is a good writer, and that's okay. It's very rare when an animator can. Uh, make a script for his own film. He can try, but it doesn't, ma- it doesn't mean that it's going to be good. and very often it's much better to ask a professional scriptwriter. And if he writes a script, it doesn't mean that you have to follow it precisely. And I always give this example with Yuri Norstein what he did with Hitchcock in the Mist. If you make if you take a horror script, It doesn't mean that the film that you're going to do is going to be a horror film. Uh, The same applies for a a great film director, uh, Tarkovsky, probably. You've seen most of his films. Uh, I'll just give you an example of uh, The Mirror, which was based on a book, a sci-fi book by uh, the two brothers, Russian brothers. And the film is completely different from the book, It has almost nothing at the end, so it's your responsibility to take the the text, the script, to be inspired and to change it and to make your own film. Because at the end, your name is on the like a director. It's your name that is gonna stay, and you're gonna be. There is like uh, in the film industry, there is always like this anecdote that if the film is good is the whole team responsible starting from producer of course the producer is the most important because he finds the money but the script writer of course the comedians are great they are the most important persons in in a film that's what they say they, those are who sell the film the director is somewhere there like in the middle so if the film is good all the team is responsible but if the film is bad it's only the director who is guilty. So keep in mind this when you do your own films. Sometimes it's more safe to hide behind, to be a, like a, the second director of film, or a cameraman, or a scriptwriter, actually. And I guess it's somehow like much more easier for me to, uh, being an artist, to imagine how, how the films appear. Uh, how it's going to happen, even when I read a book, I always have it in my mind, how it looks. Uh, It's always like this uh, appearance in my homunculus, it's like a screen on my brain back. I see the the film, I see the sound, I see the music. And speaking about music, I'm going to play you another film now. Uh, why I'm showing you this film? I was, uh, as, as I said, I didn't study cinema, so I was autodidact. I was uh, learning the things watching films and examples of the other directors. And one of the most, like with every film that I did, I was learning something. And I've discovered at some point that the easiest the easiest way to, to learn construction and concept and the script is to take a music and to make a film based on the music. Why? Because the, especially when it's uh, symphonic music by a uh, classical composers, because uh, what they were doing, they were building like uh, uh, a very complex building, like architecture. It has a structure. Have a, it has a floor. It has a basis. It has a roof, and everything is very well constructed. Like this uh, music by Dmitri Shostakovich, which is basically based on Ravel Bolero. It is development of one piece of music, which is becoming more developed and more complex and more complicated with more instruments, which is a exactly how the films can be constructed. It's a great construction for a film. It's it's there. And uh, I was very surprised when this film won uh, the prize for best script in one of the most important festivals, uh, which is in uh, Fantoche in uh, Switzerland. And uh, you, you may say there is no script inside. But apparently there is a script, because something is happening. And I always repeat, and I'll never be tired to repeat this. If you're students, the best thing, the best script is the music. The music which was composed before this. Because like that, you, you're just taking something solid already, like composition. Uh, and this is how actually you can learn making a script yourself because the very, very basic rule of the script writing is to have the structure, the composition. And uh, the next film that I did, which is called uh, Lipset Diaries, is uh, exactly this uh, composition. Uh, Someone know the name of Arthur Lipset? Someone rings the bell? Yeah, because you're from Canada. You you studied at Concordia University, that's why. Uh, he's the god there. You know, when you when you go to Concordia University, then there is a portrait like a Jesus, of Arthur Lipset. Uh, someone else? No? no? Uh, ah, yeah, of course. And Arthur Lipset was a Canadian experimental filmmaker. He studied uh, in art school as well. He uh, worked at the National Film Board of Canada. And his first film, called Very Nice, Very Nice, uh, was a film, kind of mash-up film. He was going to the other directors' studios, taking the leftovers from their films and editing them. Actually, the very nice, very nice was constructed first making a soundtrack out of the leftovers, only the audio. And after that, he was gathering photos, things like, the same way as William Burroughs later. And he was editing them. And uh, when, I, when I came to Canada, apparently, I, I didn't hear, of course, in Bulgaria about him, So he did his first film, which is called Very Nice, Nice, and it was nominated for an Oscar. He didn't win, but the film was seen by many directors at that time. And uh, most notably, even uh, Ingmar Ingmar Bergman saw the film, and he was hugely influenced when he did Persona. Actually, the beginning of Persona is like watching the film of... Arthur Lipset at at that time. Uh, Also, uh, this is the notebook from Arthur Lipset about making very nice, very nice. We'll be back. But also the film had appreciation by Stanley Kubrick, who wrote him a letter uh, which is telling him, dear Mr. Lipset, I should like to congratulate you on your film, very nice, very nice. I think it is one of the most imaginative and brilliant uses of the movie screen and soundtrack I have ever seen. Best of luck, yours very truly, Stanley Kubrick. Actually, he asked him to do a trailer and to work together for, for Dr. Strangelove. And uh, Arthur Lipset, because he was at that time like a star, he said, but who is Stanley Kubrick? He didn't know. And uh, Stanley Kubrick did the trailer himself. Uh, another legend, and it's, it's not a legend, it's a true. Uh, they were showing the films of Arthur Lipset at UCLA very often. And uh, George Lucas, who was a student there, saw the film. And in one of the film, Arthur Lipset films, which is called 2187... Uh, there is a phrase that says, "I believe that is like a hidden force that is behind on everything that is happening in our lives." And he said that this is from that phrase exactly. He got the idea about Darth Vader. He was a huge admirer of Arthur Lipset. His first film, THX, was very inspired by Arthur Lipset art and films. And uh, not only this. Uh, in the first Star Wars film, the the cage of Princess Leia, where she is imprisoned, the number is 2187, which is a direct reference to the name of Lipset film. And in the later films, if you've seen the the last episodes, there is this rebel, which name which number is 2187. So they're continuing this legacy on Arthur Lipset. Anyway, he was a huge inspiration on many of the film directors like Steven Soderbergh later and George Lucas, uh, Star Wars, etc., etc., etc. So you may say that's not possible that an uh, experimental filmmaker who is doing experimental, non-narrative films can influence something so commercial as Star Wars. Because, you know, the Star Wars is like the popcorn of cinema. But yeah, it's, it, it happens everything that can start from very little experimental things and you never know where the idea is where the seed that is going to grow the 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 forest after is is put into the so um, when i discovered him and i understood that he lived in the same building as me when i moved to montreal to canada I discovered one of his envelopes with the same address as mine, and I was thinking, okay, that uh, I have to do a film about that guy. And we did it. Uh, and I used a scriptwriter who was helping me uh, to structure the film. His name is Chris Robinson. He is artistic director of Photo Animation Festival. And what he did, he went to. Every notebooks and diaries of lips that existed, there were not so many. Basically, they were based on his films. And were taking a little notes, little sentences, and rearranging them so they make some sense about at the end. And this is one of the most interesting notebooks uh, that he put some sentences from already recorded found sound and found footages. He was one of the first to use the terminology of found footage. Uh, found footage is when you go to YouTube, take all the videos that you like and you make your own film out of it. For example, at that time it was not YouTube, so he was going to the trash bins of his fellow directors and he was taking everything that was leftovers and putting... The, the footages that they were using on his own films. Uh, and this is the, the notebook. And h- this is how we constructed the films, taking like pieces, cutting them, and stitching them so it makes sense. And making, uh, th- There were not lips diaries found. We imagined that they existed, but they didn't exist. So we imagined that we did them themselves. And now I'm going to show you the film very nice, very nice, because I still believe that this is one of the most important films in the history of cinema, Uh, because it shows absolutely clearly what the structure can mean, even if the words that you use are not your own. Yeah, it's uh, 1961. Uh, I've watched this film probably 50 times, and I still like... Find it amazing and entertaining and very interesting. And it's all gathered from leftovers, from pieces of other. And it teaches us another thing that the film is not only a script, you know, it's not only to sit and try to invent something. Uh, The the film is uh, the script, the the words, the sound, the tempo, the images, all this put together. Uh, It's not only what we hear. It's everything that is mixed. This is the this is the, the script of that film. But the most important, uh, this is the construction of the film. Uh, if you watch it very uh, very thoroughly, and uh, if you read the things, he knew it from the beginning what uh, what is going to happen, and how the crescendo starts from the. What is the tempo? What appears where, and how, and what is the reason? And it's like uh, the the only this drawing that he did is like uh, uh, it can teach you more than uh, years and years in a film school uh, because it uh, it shows the it shows the links. Between, between the words, between the actions, between the images. There is nothing, nothing that is by chance in this film. Uh, everything is connected and everything brings you to another, another point. Of course, yeah, there is something from Giga uh, Vertov and uh, linear and the vertical editing. Though, you know, when he did that film, he was 19 years old. It, I don't believe that he watched at that point Dziga Vertov's films. Really, that nineteen he didn't do the cinema. He was in art school. He was doing collages, uh, cutting uh, papers. He was doing the, actually, what he was working at National Film Board was uh, uh, making the titles for other filmmakers' films. And it was completely by chance that he did this film. He just. Uh, uh, amused himself to, 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 to do the, this audio track the sound and he played the sound to one of the producers and he said "Wow, oh, it sounds very interesting why don't you put images on the sound so it was the, really like a soundtrack and there even a company that is selling vinyl with, only with the soundtrack of uh, very nice very nice now it became like a collectible of course and who knows I don't know. The thing is that every film that he did after was uh, worse than the previous one. And at the end, uh, his films are almost not watchable. And they stopped giving him opportunity to do films and he committed suicide just before he became 50. Basically, his active years were from 19 to 26. Then he did five films and after that it was nothing. He just suffered from depression and self-punishing himself and things like that. Sad story, but he's a yeah, real, real genius. A lot, yeah. I've learned just making the film *Lipsy Diaries*. I, I've learned a lot because I've watched the films thousands and thousands of times, and it, it was just really every film that he did. There was something. Like catching, the way he, he 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 uses, it's constructions, 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 concepts, concepts, concepts. So at some point he becomes so obsessed with the concept that, uh, and this is when he, he falls. There his concepts are becoming uh, too complex to be understood, and that's his problem. This is his first film, and it's clear you know, what he did. Everything is like very clear. Keep it simple, as we say. And that's the beginning of every script. Huh? Uh, keep it simple. And after that, you can put st- fringes and details and things like this, but the idea has to be, the construction has to be simple, like this scale that's, that, that he did. Yeah?
0: Um, even though they are very structured, but it's a very personal way of structuring. Um, do you think that, or w- what is your thought on whether uh, to use a certain script writing um, to write a script according to uh, a a basic script writing knowledge or uh, being autodidactic. Is this something that you think that can go parallel or do you think it's even better not to follow any script writing rules and just start off by yourself and create your own structure?
2: Very interesting question. Uh, Which is the first, the egg or the hen? Um, I don't know, it, I, I think that uh, strictly individual, the way. It depends on how you feel. You know, the, the writers, they say in the universities, there is uh, script writing courses. You know, that uh, you go there and the best uh, writers teach you how to write a book, for example. Or uh, creative writing also courses. And they teach you all the elements and the basics. And still, out of those schools, there is no single famous writer going out. Mm -hmm. It's not that because the schools are bad. It's because every person has his own individual way of thinking and structuring the things. So any rule is wrong. And it doesn't apply to anyone. When When I show you, it's wrong for you. For all of you, you have, to find some, you have to know this, but when you do it, you can steal elements, but you have to find your own individual way. It's not, if, you, if you try just to repeat and make the same things, it, it's not going to happen. There, there have to be something to shift it down. To, you have to do something wrong. That's the thing. Some, someone that no one thought about this before. That's that's the tricky part of any good script writer, I guess. Thank yeah. you. Actually, when you yeah, it's like a very basic example of uh, Quentin Tarantino Tarantino what he does. He does it wrong actually. But somehow he found his own way of doing this wrongness. And uh, yes, now he repeats himself, but still it's his own way of structuring and putting the things together of doing the things in the wrong way Another questions?
0: yeah? Uh, you talked
1: a lot about um, the work of other people and I was curious what you hope other people say about your work oh.
2: I, don't, I don't know uh, hmm. I know I didn't ask I didn't uh, I have to spy them what do they say uh, I don't know. Really. It's uh I could imagine but
0: What would you imagine?
2: Uh that they hate them. <laughs> most most probably. Thank you. <laughs> uh but that's okay, yeah. Huh? Everything is okay. Uh, love or hate is the same. <laughs> so the worst is uh, being uh to be ignorant and not to to comment them, I guess. I'm gonna show you a very small film, very personal. Uh, Why I'm showing you this? Because I wrote the text, even that my English is very rusty, trying to gather some words from different poems and mixing them on the way they sound different. And why I did this, um, you're gonna see. It's, uh, there are many people who said that, uh, that that's my worst film ever. But somehow it's my most popular film. And you're going to see why. <laughs> yeah. uh, this film uh, was not selected in a single festival, except one or two, but there, uh, it won some prizes there. Uh, and that one was selected on all the festivals in the world, and uh, had uh, huge recognitions and many prizes. Uh, it was not so personal, of course, and it's uh, adapted, I'll be very short on it. It's adapted uh, on a short story by uh, Bulgarian writer Georgi Gospodinov, uh, which is translated at, uh, in many languages. Uh, it's called Blind Weische. I created, uh, I wrote this uh, film while I was in a residence in font Abbey. And this is what uh, changed my perception of the story of Georgi Gospodinov. I was walking around uh, this uh, abbey and uh, making pictures without writing anything uh, until I saw uh, a house, which is called Domus Hospitalia, a very old house, uh, which was like the probably the first house where all the people going to Pelerinage uh were staying there. And it this became like the Vaisha, the blind Vaischer house. And I didn't invent anything. Even it was like a a, a source, a fountain of Saint Membœuf, uh, which is believed to be able to cure blindness. And if you've seen the film, it's a story about uh a blind girl, but actually she's not blind. She sees with the left eye only the past and with her right eye only the future. So basically she doesn't see what what is now. For example, if I watch you, I'm going to see with my left eye a baby and with the right eye uh, an old man or a woman. And it was believed that uh, this uh, source uh, cures blindness. Uh, I tried, I watched my... Uh, eyes, but I'm still with glasses as you can see. Uh, It was, uh, there is, they were buried, the Eleanor of Akietan, which was believed to be the first feminist, but mostly she married three kings and they died. And uh, yeah, she was the mother of uh, the uh, the Richard the Lion, the lion the Heart, the, you know the, all those story about Robin Hood. But mostly she was a poet, she was writing beautiful poems. And it uh, influenced me enormously. I even did a selfie with her in the night when there were not people there it influenced me somehow into the design of, of the film that I believe that was very important for creating this film. It was the most easiest film that I've ever did. I did it in probably in four or five months. Uh, very easy, going, uh, putting it into 3D, into the space. And I call it four-dimensional film because it was stereoscopic film but also the fourth dimension is the time, because it was working a lot with the idea of notion of past and the future. And uh, more I right here. It's about the technique, which I'm not going to go deeply into this. Uh, but somehow it was uh, corresponding responding with my last film, The Physics of Sorrow, because the film was about the eternal struggle between the nostalgia of the past and the fear of the unknown future. We are all afraid of what's going to happen tomorrow. And that's why it stops us of being active, of being uh, to to do the things. Uh, This is what makes us blind for the present. Uh, The film was nominated for an Oscar... And uh, here I am, just next to the Oscar statue, as close as I could ever can be. I just uh, right to me Ms. Uh, Macchiale, uh, and um, on my left are Natalie Portman and Matt Damon and uh, many other uh, famous people. Yeah, and it's, sometimes you know, uh, it's, the life is very strange because uh, sometimes you are not so great or good film. I don't think that it's my best film. Sometimes it receives more recognition than anything that you put all your efforts and you've been working for years on it. And there we go, The Physics of Sorrow. Now I'm gonna play the whole film in English because uh, this evening you're gonna see it but it's gonna be in French and I think that the English version is completely different because we achieved something else. We're going to talk about this later, and we'll be back, so we'll talk more about structure, script writing, and everything behind, and everything, and more.